everyone out there. How's it going? Welcome to Screen Speak. It is the podcast that is all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson. This is my podcast that you're listening to, and for that, I am very appreciative. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, before I get into the movie that I'm going to be talking about on this episode, I just want to take the time to ask uh, how your Thanksgiving went. That's right, Thanksgiving. It's it's already it's already come and gone. Uh, we can't get it back. Can't get 2021 Thanksgiving back. It is gone. Uh, but I I hope it went well. And 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 now it's November 26, 2021, which means Black Friday. I don't I don't know why I said it like that. Um, I'm actually not even sure why it's called that. I'm not really I'm not gonna look it up. Uh, sometimes I do that when I'm curious about things. I'm like, well, like why is it called that? Um, I'm sure somebody knows, so whoever knows why Black Friday is called that, uh, maybe let me know, because I'd be curious about it, but that, that is what today is, is Black Friday, and that means that people are, are shopping, question mark? I, I don't really know, and I, and I really don't know, because, uh, as I don't have to really remind the listening audience or the world, uh, we're still in a pandemic, question mark, maybe? Uh, but, but the pandemic is still a thing. It's still in a lot of people's minds. And so I just don't really know how many people are like deciding to run out to the stores and try to find those oh so valuable deals that they crave. Um, I'm not sure. I, I imagine that there's a lot of people that are doing online shopping, go away, pop up. I don't need to know that. Um, sorry, got distracted there from a stupid pop up. Um, but anywho, I imagine that there's a lot of people that are likely doing online shopping still, um, because I said some of the COVID stuff or whatever, whatever, uh, convenience sake is convenience sake. So I imagine that's still happening, but I don't know. Let me know or, or I don't know, just share with me, or I guess I'll maybe find out by scrolling through people's social media or something, or just word of mouth if people did one or the other, but I'd be curious about it all the same. Uh, I can tell you for myself I, I, I don't really suspect I'm doing much shopping today. Um, if I see something that I absolutely have to have, which uh, now that I'm a grown adult that is able to uh, have a job and, and pay for things themselves, I just don't really do that that much. Because if I want something, I can just, I mean, you know, I, I can buy it. Uh, assuming I have the money. I mean... We can't just buy everything that we want to have. Like I can't just like look at a yacht online and be like, ah, you know what? Um, that sounds good. Let's go ahead and do that. And I just realized that there's a there's a comedian that has a really famous bit about a yacht and online shopping. I think it's Tom Segura uh, from his completely normal special in 2011. Um, somebody can fact check me on that, but I think that is where I'm trying to draw that comparison from. But who cares? It doesn't matter. Uh, I didn't mean to talk so much about the shopping. I was more actually curious just to talk about Thanksgiving. Uh, I thought I should give some quick thoughts on that before I talk about the movie. Um, and then, of course, I'd like to hear about your Thanksgiving, uh, if you would like to message the Instagram. And actually, with that, why don't I go ahead and get the plugs out of the way, right? Might as well get the plugs out of the way. I usually do it right away, right in the intro, but I'll do it right now. If you haven't done so already, follow follow follow, I don't know why I can't say it right, follow ScreenSpeak or download episodes of it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please, please go ahead and do that. 
Um, it's really helping to grow the podcast and the audience that this thing is able to reach. So the more follows I get, the more content that's going to be able to come about. Uh, and hopefully the more guests I'm going to be able to get on this because that would really, really be uh, spectacular to have. So please follow and download ScreenSpeak on wherever you're listening to it at. And if you haven't done so already, go to the go to God, I don't know what that was. Go to the Instagram account. That's what I'm trying to say. Go to the Instagram account, uh, look up at ScreenSpeak Podcast, and go ahead and follow it on there. I post movie-related content on there from time to time, and it's also a way for me to communicate with you, uh, the audience. So please go ahead and do that. And if you ever do comment on something on that, I will respond. And, and I really will, and I do mean that, because I don't have a massive, massive audience right now, but that's impossible for me to manage. So I promise, if you go on there, you're going to get my comments on there if you say something. So please go ahead and do that. Um, but anywho, <clears throat> let's talk about Thanksgiving just for a minute, just for a minute. Um, Thanksgiving was nice. I'll say it. I think it was pretty nice. I, I got to do a 5k, um, a 5k. It's uh, known as a Turkey trot around here. I, I don't think it's exclusive to where I'm from. I think there's other cities that do it. Uh, but I got to do a Turkey trot and it was cold. Uh, I did it with a friend of mine that is, uh, he does not live around here, but he's from here, and he doesn't really get around town here that much, so it was nice to see him. I hadn't seen him for, I don't know, like two two or three years or something like that, so it had been a while, uh, but it was nice, <clears throat> and I finished the run actually at a, at a really, really brisk pace, I, I think. Uh, considering it was really cold and whatnot, I was actually impressed with the time I did. I finished at about 27 minutes or so. Um, which I mean, that, that, that's pretty good for me. And I know it's, I, I know it's just a 5k. It's not like a marathon or anything like that, but when it's 20 degrees out and it's early in the morning and you're running with like a thousand people, I, I feel pretty good about that. And I don't know. I just kind of rode that good feeling all day. And then I was able to spend some time with my mom and my brothers and just relax a little bit. Like we, we drank some wine. I, I ate some a little bit of food, uh, not a lot of food, which you're probably thinking like, like, okay, like it's Thanksgiving. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you eat a lot of food? Like that's what people do. They stuff their face with mashed potatoes and desserts and pumpkin pie and turkey and ham, right? Um, not me. <laughs> uh, that, that's not really me. I, I always get, it's like I'm saying blasphemy when I say this, but I've never really been a big fan of I, I guess you would consider Thanksgiving food homestyle food. Is that the is that the classification that it falls under? Uh, I'm not really sure, but whatever it is where it's like uh, mashed potatoes, baked potatoes, green beans, casseroles, uh, I don't know, foods like that. I've never really been a big fan, and I'm still not to this day. But, well, what I guess I'm trying to get at with that is that I am usually the person at the Thanksgiving table that has very little <laughs> on their plate. And sometimes it's a weird thing because if there's a lot of people that brought different dishes, sometimes people can make you feel uncomfortable on that or like they can take it personally that like you're like, I don't want to eat their food or something like that. And I promise, I promise you, uh, it, it has never been done out of that intention. It is never personal. I just know what I like and I know what I don't like. 
And it's not that I'm not willing to try new things because if there is something there and someone really does want me to try it, I'll go ahead and do it. But I mean, I'm 30 years old. I, I've had some time to eat. I've had some time to figure it out, right? Um, so I know what I like and just don't take it the wrong way. I just, I don't like a lot of Thanksgiving food. If I ever have a family of my own one day and get a host it, I'm going to really try to push for non-traditional foods. I, I'm sure other people around America are probably eating stuff besides just turkey and ham and rolls and whatnot. There's probably other people that do it and, and it's fine for them, right? Or maybe, I, I don't know, is, is it blasphemous to say that people could have Thanksgiving without those essential foods uh, or what are considered essential? Not by me, but it seems by the mass population here in the United States, turkey, rolls, and all that traditional homestyle food is a Thanksgiving staple in this country. And to do anything but means that you're terrible or something like that. Or I don't even know if I'm thinking about that, right? But you know, whatever. Uh, let me know. Point is, it was a nice Thanksgiving. I was happy with it. And it was good to be able to spend some time with a uh, family that I, you know, that I care a lot about. So that is that. But with that said, and I just realized I've been talking for almost 10 minutes about just personal stuff and nonsense and Black Friday and food and Thanksgiving and all this stuff. Um, not that that's not interesting, but I want to go ahead and get into the movie because this is one that I actually watched recently and it actually is a relatively recent-ish release. Um, and it's one that I, I've, I, I remember people talking about it when it came out, uh, at least like for its technical feats that it accomplished, but I never really heard a lot of people just get into the actual movie itself even though I'm sure there's a lot of reviews out there. But in any case, I would like to go ahead and remedy that, at least on this podcast, and, and give, it some, um, give it some attention. And that is the movie 1917. Um, so 1917, this got released on December 25th, uh, which if I'm not mistaken, I think that means Christmas, right? And I realize I sound like such an idiot. I'm asking what date Christmas falls under. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, it doesn't change. Like the Christmas day, so <laughs> the Christmas date doesn't change. Um, so yeah, it was released December 25th of 2019. And I'm actually going to read the synopsis here because this is actually a movie I own. And it's actually one that I own on 4K, which is what I watched it on recently. Uh, so let me go ahead and read the synopsis here and then I'll actually start getting into it. Okay. <clears throat> At the height of the First World War, two young British soldiers, Schofield, uh, which is played by George McKay, and Blake, uh, which is played by Dean Charles Chapman, are given a seemingly impossible mission um, that involves a race against time. And in this race against time, they must cross enemy territory and deliver a message that will stop a deadly attack uh, on hundreds of soldiers, Blake's own brother possibly being among them. So... That's the story, and it's a relatively simple story, which I will get into that in a moment, but <clears throat> just a little bit more about the people involved in the in the movie itself. So Sam Mendes, he is the director of this movie. He is most recently famous for directing Skyfall, Spectre, uh, two James Bond movies. Uh, he also directed American Beauty, directed Jarhead. He is he is a very talented director. Uh, very talented director, and I would definitely say I'm a fan of a lot of his movies. 
Uh, but he's a very good director, and he got to work with the legendary cinematographer Roger Deakins on this. And Deakins' resume should speak for itself. Uh, I just know, you know, a few off the top. Um, Sicario, Shawshank Redemption, Blade Runner 2049, uh, of course this, 1917. Um, the guy has done an extensive amount of work, and there's much more than just those few titles I'm mentioning, but he is arguably the greatest living cinematographer in the movie industry to date. So anytime that he gets involved with a movie, and if he's working with a really technically proficient director and an experienced one like Sam Mendes visually speaking you know that you're likely in for a stunning piece of filmmaking um and, and 1917 I think is certainly is certainly falling in that class of of film where it is a stunning movie it's just simply on a technical visual aesthetic level uh 1917 is certainly like that but I want to talk about some specific things in this movie that I just found interesting and I just wanted to expand on just a little bit more. So first, this is a movie and I think there's a few movies, uh, maybe more in recent memory that have done this, but <clears throat> this is a movie that is striving to be a single take film, meaning that it's meant to be it's meant to be perceived and digested as if the entire movie was shot in one single take, which I will be real. This movie, while it seems that way, it actually wasn't. Uh, there are some clever edits that are done throughout this movie, but from a technical standpoint, again, it's done so seamlessly that I admit, um, just from an, a general audience member level, even if you're not like super like a super film buff and you like understand how a steady cam operator works the camera and and how they light it and do everything like that it is very seamless and i mean that i mean there's a couple of scenes like where it's it's clear like okay like that's probably where they hid the edit of that or whatever but it's done so well that you forget about that i think pretty early on in this movie um and it's really, it's really remarkable and fascinating on that aspect. Uh, you know, technical stuff aside, just from a storytelling perspective, why they chose to to do that. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons. So one, I think that this movie, like if you're looking at it like just at its story, the story is nothing really, honestly, all that interesting. It's hey, there's two people. They need to get from point A to point B. And not die in the process. I mean, it's very simple and straightforward when you're looking at it like that. But I found when I was re-watching it, because I actually hadn't I hadn't seen this movie since it came out in the theater. So it had been a while since I'd seen it. And, and I remember I liked it there. But I felt upon a second viewing of it that I was actually able to appreciate um, seeing the story told in real time. Um, because I think this movie is wanting to be more of a, um, what I would say a, a visceral or more of an immersive experience of a movie where the visuals are telling the bulk of the story and the, you know, written word on the page, it's, it's, it's getting people from point A to point B, but that's not the point. Like you're supposed to feel the environment that these characters are in and, and really get a sense of what it would be like to be living during that time. And especially a time of war, 
and and chaos and dread and and putting you right in the heart of that. And in, in a way, I, uh, this movie kind of reminded me of Dunkirk, uh, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, just because. Also, from a storytelling perspective, now, that movie's not doing the single take, but I also think the story is relatively straightforward on that, but it's trying to focus more on the perspective of the soldier, uh, the soldier's point of view, and wanting people to really feel like they're there. Um, But I actually think 1917, if I'm comparing the two, I like this movie better than Dunkirk because I still am able to connect more with the character because, you know, we're following him uh, literally from the start of this movie. I mean, the camera just follows him and and it really never stops. Like, we're always with this character. Um, And I don't know, I just, I found it very effective in that way. And then I think having the story being told in real time... um, it was able to make me really see like even going a few miles, which ordinarily for most people wouldn't really seem that far away. Um, in the context of this movie where you have characters that are running through the trenches, uh, they got bombs going off, there's booby traps, there's barbed wire and mud and dirt and, and just exhaustion. Like the, just the, the combination of all that, uh, really made me uh i mean it made me tired for the characters like i'm looking at it and seeing them do it and certainly makes you appreciate the hell that 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 generation of people had to go through i mean even down to like the littlest thing of like hey they got to cross through no man's land and i shouldn't say that's a little thing it's not uh like that's treacherous and having the camera linger on them in real time as they do that, you have no idea what's coming around the corner and you just feel suspense. Like you feel a great level of suspense when you're having these very long extended takes of people going through dangerous territory really definitely helps drive the suspension up in this movie. So, um, aside from, like I said, the technical side of it, I actually thought it worked for the story because they're not trying to tell the most complex story, but they're wanting you to feel immersed in a movie while not having the story get too in the way of that um and so i I don't know if that makes sense but i found that this movie was actually pretty effective on that and and it's just something i really appreciated and i will also say just as well again just to praise the the camera work on this movie because it's impossible for me not to to talk about it on this um it's very sneaky when they get those edits in there, save for one. There is one, which this is, it's in the trailer. I'm not really spoiling it. There's a moment where Schofield, uh, George McKay gets thrown back and he falls backward on these steps and the camera just kind of cuts to black. Now that one's a pretty, pretty get, you know, obvious one. Uh, you could clearly see like, okay, screen goes to black. Now it's a new scene. That makes sense. Uh, but for the most part, it's interesting. Like the camera would, hide and edit by like going behind a rock or uh i don't know maybe maybe like it just like the way it would like like turn around a corner take its time like you could tell like they're i sound like such an idiot but there are some very good edits and and sneaky edits at that in this movie so i just wanted to i just wanted to say that so that people could get the appreciation for it uh right out of the way um so i want to actually i want to talk about the cast now in this movie um, because that they are worth talking about. Again, I, I've been saying over and over again that all the technical stuff is great, but the, the acting that is displayed on screen here is quite good. Uh, George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman, they're the main characters of the film. 
Uh, I thought they both like were were really really good i they felt very lived in their roles like they didn't just feel like they had met like i felt like they had known each other for a while that they had been living in this environment they felt very um very natural to the environment as characters so i really really like that um and george mckay in particular uh, I mean, he's really the person that's carrying this movie. Uh, it, it is really mostly focused from mostly his point of view. And I hadn't seen this guy in anything else other than the Viggo Mortensen movie, Captain Fantastic. Um, that's a smaller independent film. He plays one of Viggo Mortensen's kids. Like, they're like this hippie family that lives out in the woods. Um, it's, it's, actually a, it's actually a heartfelt and sweet movie. If you, if you haven't seen Captain Fantastic, uh, give that a shot. But... So that, that's the only thing I'd seen him in. I, I'd never seen him on a movie of this scale and magnitude, but he really sold a lot of the scenes he did, and he had some tough scenes to to deal with and get through, uh, and I really, really liked him um, in this movie. And then the, the movie also has um, uh, a handful of well-known A-list British actors, uh, Colin Firth, Mark Strong, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, and, and Richard Madden. So... They're in the movie, they don't have the biggest parts, but when they're there, I mean, they, they have presence with them. There's a reason why these all those actors that I mentioned have had very strong, um, very meaningful careers, I'd say, because they all have a lot of, uh, a lot of acting talent, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't know why I'm feeling like I can't, like, like why am I not, like, talking as, as intelligently as I want to on this episode? I don't know. Um, maybe it's just, it's, you know, it's the day after Thanksgiving and I'm just like recovering, uh, from all the food and just relaxation or something. Is that, is that why I'm not feeling like as articulate on this episode? I don't know, but whatever. I just wanted to say that the cast in this movie is great and they should get the appreciation that they deserve. It's not just all the camera work on this that needs praise, but the actors themselves, uh, if they were not convincing and compelling in the emotions that they can play, uh, that they displayed on screen, then technical work aside, we don't give a shit. But I, I think George McKay carries the film, and the rest of the cast is also very, very good. Um, so another another thing. Oh gosh, I forgot. I did not turn off Discord on here. Hang on. I'm recording right now. I got to kick myself off Discord before it gets interrupted. Okay. Gosh, that's embarrassing. I had Discord open. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a chat service thing. Uh, I use it mostly just to talk with my little brother and some of his buddies when we play video games every now and again. And so I had it open because I think he's wanting to play some games. So I'll probably have to check on that after <laughs> uh, after this podcast. But But anywho, where was I at? Uh, so I was going to talk about uh, World War One, actually. Um, be honest, I am not a hist- uh, not a history expert. I, I took history uh, in high school, in elementary school, and some in college. Uh, always found it interesting, but it's never been something that I am by any means like an aficionado, uh, an expert of. But when it comes to World War One. Uh, between World War One and World War Two, I feel like World War One. There's actually less known about it because it's it is it's like over a century old. It's uh, it's so old um, that there's I don't think anybody is alive from it now. I think enough time has passed that anybody that was there is likely likely passed away now. Just because it's again it's just been so long. 
Um, but I don't know, just between the two wars, World War II, I feel like has had more films made about it, like for sure. Uh, not It's not to say that there hasn't been any good World War I movies, but I just don't see as many of them. Um, so anytime I see something of this scale that is getting made and is going to be given attention in World War I, uh, I'm actually always really taken and, and interested with it because World War One's actually... It's really interesting if you if you look into it a little bit. So I'm going to read a little bit of content here that I just found from doing some brief research on here. Um, this is actually from history.com if you want to know where the source is. Uh, but I wanted to read just this first paragraph about World War One because I, I just find from a, even just it being summarized, there's there's some interesting uh, interesting takeaways here. So. World War I, also known as the Great War, it began in 1914 after the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria. His murder catapulted into a war across Europe that lasted until 1918. And during the conflict, Germany, Austria, Hungary, Bulgaria, and the Ottoman Empire, otherwise known as the Central Powers, they were fighting against Great Britain, France, Russia, Italy, Romania, Japan, and the United States, all known as the Allied Powers, and, and thanks to the new military technologies and horrors of trench warfare, which that is absolutely horrific, and I think 1917 does a really good job of showing how much it would suck uh, to be in those trenches. Um, but anyway... So, thanks to the new military uh, technologies and the horrors of trench warfare, World War I saw unprecedented levels of carnage and destruction. And by the time the war was over and the Allied powers claimed victory, more than 16 million people, soldiers and civilians alike, were dead. Like, let that sink in. Let that sink in for a moment. 16 million and that's just documented. I don't even who knows if that number is even fully correct. Dead. Um I don't know. It's it's like really hard to fully even digest hearing that that many people died in the war. Like like I said, like th this reaction I have right now of being speechless, that's about where that leaves me at. Um, and I think it's just because like when I'm thinking about war in general, most of the times I think war is a complete waste of time and it's senseless and it's not the most intelligent solution to solving a conflict between one nation and another. Um, it's horrible. And world war one arguably is probably it may, it may be like the worst war i mean world war ii i'm not i'm not discounting anybody that that gave their life for that or or had a a part to play in that because there were some god-awful things that happened in that but world war one it's like i just think about it it's, it's the early 1900s medical care is dog shit it's just it's terrible uh people are just getting mowed down by machine guns and trenches you have mustard gas uh, people dying from that, and it's like, I just think, like, being in those trenches during that time, like, versus the other wars, like, it's like, yeah, I feel like you would feel like it never ends, like, you just feel like you're constantly stuck in the mud, you're you're having shitty food, you're, you're scared that someone's gonna come over the trench line to spray you down uh, with a machine gun, or, 
any other of the numbers of horrors that go in there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they call it the Great War. It is, it is the first World War, and hopefully, you know, hopefully World War One and World War Two are it because. Oh my God, it, it is, it's horrific. It's horrific what war does, and especially those wars. Um, I have the utmost respect for, for people that were fighting during that. It's, I don't know. I, I don't think you can ever fully relate to it unless you were in it. I, I can't even pretend to know that. Like I've had, I have a, I've had a few family members that have had military experience, but nothing... Nothing that I can tell that touches back to that side of history. I'm not even actually sure. I don't really know a lot about my ancestry. I I know that uh, I'm mostly German, as far as I can tell. On my mom's side of the family, we have a lot of Germans, I, I think. And then on my dad's side, there's a lot of Irish. Um, but I never really have been able to do like a bunch of ancestry to, to go back and, and determine uh, where where my lineage truly is. And I guess I'll be honest on the German side, it worries me because if we're Germans, um, well, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I had any Nazis in the family. Like I, I hope not, but I don't know. Like my last name's Anderson. Okay. I'm Jordan Anderson. Um, that is a very basic, basic, basic bland name. And unless I had, uh, someone in the family that is like an excellent record keeper and is keeping all the stuff intact. There's a lot that I think has just been lost in my family when it comes to this stuff. So I don't know. Uh, I hope not, but if I ever do get to find out and I find out that our family did do stuff like that, uh, well, I guess I would just try to learn as much as I can from it and be like, okay, like I let's, let's never repeat that again. Like that is, that is horrible, 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 horrible. Um, but anywho, I, to go back to world war one, um, I just, yeah, I I truly think that the people that fought in that war are amongst the the greatest generation. I, I actually think that's what those people are called during that time because, so many of those people went through hell and so many people died going through that hell in order to stop this war from spreading all over the globe. And I don't know. I just think there's a lot more I should actually probably learn about this. I just, I, I realize like talking about it out loud. I just, I don't know that much about this stuff. I really don't. Um, but tying it back to 1917, I think, even if you don't know much about World War One, this movie is not really trying to educate you about a lot of the history of it. It's just trying to help you understand what it would have been like to be there. And in that regard, I think this movie succeeds in spades, and it really shows that the, these people were brave. Like, the, the, the people that fought in this war, and, and honestly, both sides of it. I, I'm not condoning the Germans' uh, involvement in it or anything like that, but you think everybody that fought for, for their country really wanted to be there too? I, I highly doubt that. Uh, it'd be terrifying. Just war is a, it's a terrifying thing. And so, uh, I was just about to make a joke, if, if that's appropriate, but I was about to say, War! Huh! What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again now. Boom. You know, that song, I, I just think of Rush Hour, honestly. All the Rush Hour movies, they use that song. Um, and that's what I think of when I think of that. But the song's got a point because war is, yeah, like it says, it's not really good for anything. It mainly just creates a, um, a massive 
um, there, there's massive destruction that comes with war and some of it is irreparable. There's a needless loss of life and damage um, and ultimately a stain that war leaves behind. And the real wars like World War One and World War Two, leave such stains that don't come out. Um, I don't think there's a way to truly erase the wounds that those things cause. But um, yeah, it's yeah, just talking about it out loud right now, I'm just like, holy crap, Jordan, like, I, I need to do some more research on this because I'm not able to articulate what I want to say about World War One. But, yeah, I'd, I need to become a history buff, I think. Maybe? I don't know. Who, who has time? Who has time to become an expert on all this stuff? I, I don't. Do you? I mean, I, I work. I work. I, I, I got a podcast to run. I got other things in my life I got going on. But uh, I just... Yeah, it's it's tough. It's very very tough. Okay, a um, couple other things I want to touch on for this movie. So, some people, I imagine, when they're watching this movie, would likely say, "Okay, I really appreciate a lot of the camera work that's at display here." But hang on here, Ugh, I'm just grabbing a sip of water. Ah, thank you. Um. I'm sure there's a number of people that would just uh, appreciate all the technical things, but are like, okay, but there's like hardly anything for a story here. So this is a little too simple for my taste. It's kind of like a video game. Just get from point A to point B and don't die. I'm a little bored. Now, if you think that when you watch this movie, I mean, I get it. I'm not going to act like this is the most rewatchable movie on the planet, but... Uh, and maybe I've already touched on this, so I'm probably just uh, beating beating a broken record. Is that the is that the expression? Not really sure. Um, despite it being a simple story, the visuals really are what you're there for in a movie like this. And if this movie's intention is to just make me feel like I'm in World War One and I'm following these characters as they survive or don't survive, I won't spoil which ones do or which ones don't. But it's a war movie, so guess what? Not everybody's gonna live. Um, then I think the movie succeeds. But yes, I, I I will admit this movie could stand to have a bit more character development than what was there, um, even though I don't, again, think that that's what the movie's going for. So perhaps I'm just contradicting myself because I keep saying I like the visuals and I like the uh, visceral aspects of it, but I'm saying, oh, it needs story. Um, I don't know. I will let you decide that. But despite simple story, I think it works. That's all I'm trying to get at. That was not the, I, I'm, what is going on with me in this podcast? It's like, I'm like overthinking it or I don't know. I, you know what? I'm just going to blame, I'm going to blame Thanksgiving. I got Thanksgiving fatigue people. I don't, I don't really know, but, uh, just trying to be authentic and real on this. And that's, uh, kind of what I'm feeling right now, but whatever show goes on. Right. Um, so it's got a simple story. There's not a ton of substance, but there's a lot of style, uh, and there is also a simple sense of, of uh, the score in this movie, the music in this movie. It's also very simple. There's not a lot of it, but when it's there, it's effective. It's composed by Thomas Newman, which is arguably also one of the, just one of the greatest composers that's living right now and working in film. Uh, look up his resume. It's it's up there with like a John Williams or, or a Hans Zimmer or somebody like that. Though I, for whatever reason, I don't think Thomas Newman gets the kind of accolades that those um, other two composers get, but he's damn good. Damn, damn good. 
Uh, let me let me name off some of the movies he's composed that I know of off the top. Uh, let's see. Passengers, Son of a Woman, Finding Nemo, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, that's just a few. But there's, there's a lot, a lot, a lot more. I promise. The guy's resume is extensive. But I really like the theme that he had for this. It made me feel sad made me have a sense of melancholy throughout a lot of this movie and it it just fit it fit for what the story was trying to do i don't think i needed any bombastic sweeping epic musical scores for this i think it would have really detracted from the simplicity that the story was trying to to be um, and it being told through its visuals, you don't want the music to be too distracting from that. So I, I appreciate the music for this, even though it's a simple score. Not even gonna, I'm not even going to say it's Thomas Newman's best work. Uh, but when you hear a Thomas Newman score, I feel like if you're, if you have an eye or not an eye, but an ear for these things, you pick up on it and you're like, okay, like this is Thomas Newman, you know, it's going to be, uh, music to your ears. That's Gosh, that's one of the cheesiest things I've said in a little bit, but whatever. Um, one one musical moment I want to touch on in this because it's actually part of the story. Uh, there's there's an actor in this. I think he's I don't know if he's a musician full time or if he's just has a if he just has a really good voice. I looked him up after uh, seeing this movie. His name is uh, Josh uh, Joss J O S uh, Slavic. I think I'm saying that correctly. And he sings a rendition of this very old folk song, um, I Am a Poor way, uh, a poor Wayfaring Stranger or Just Wayfaring Stranger. And it's done at a time in the movie where Schofield, George McKay, is at his wit's end or rope's end, whatever that expression is. And he's just so exhausted. And there's this young this young man that's singing this song with a group of people that also seem to be similar to Schofield where they're just tired. They're beaten. They don't know if they're going to live to see tomorrow or if today's the day they die. It's really dreadful, serious stuff. But this song, there's an eerie sense of comfort that it brings. And I think the lyrics are even talking about someone journeying through life and there being uncertainty and and, uh, and things that they have to overcome. But it's it's a beautiful song. I, I remember even hearing it in the trailer for the movie and I'm like, wow, what is this? Because there's no instruments or anything. It's just purely one person's voice. And uh, this Josh Slavic guy, he's got a beautiful voice. I don't know if he does any other things, but go, go look him up and give uh, give him some attention. Um, cause yeah, I, I was really, really struck by, by, um, his singing for that. So just want to give kudos to that. Um, but anywho, let me, did I have anything else I wanted to, yeah, you, you, you know what? No, not, not, not really. Um, this isn't going to be the longest episode in the world. Be real. Um, but I just, I wanted to talk about this movie because again, I just, I just think it's a good movie. Uh, it's not really one I would rewatch all the time, but if you are somebody that really has an eye for good camera work and you appreciate technical feats on movies and movies that really go for it, um, you'll, you'll love this movie. I mean, you'll be in love with it. Like even, even, well, okay, let, let me, let me backpedal a little bit. Like 
This movie really, I, I got to go back to the technical side of it. It's, it's incredible. This movie has to be shot to seamlessly look like it's all shot in real time and be a seamless take. But you really think they shot the whole movie in one day? No. That means they have to get the lighting conditions just right. They like the lighting in the time in the scenes and the time of day has to be perfect. Every, there has to be rehearsal, 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 so that people don't mess up their lines because there's such there's these super long takes, like six, seven minute long takes, uh, sometimes even longer. Um, and it's like if if you just even if you don't have an appreciation, you should maybe develop an appreciation because it takes a lot, a lot of work to be able to to pull that off and have it be convincing, and especially in a war movie. Because I, I I've seen other movies that that do the the one take approach, uh, most most recently and most uh, from a, a critical standpoint, Birdman uh, was quite successful at that, and and that's a, that's actually a movie I should do a podcast on. Um, maybe one day I'll talk about Birdman, but I've never seen the one take strategy be applied to an epic war film just because there's so many moving parts. You have troops and soldiers and, and a lot of commotion and things going on. There's so much that you would have to strategically have rehearsed down to the T that when you do it, you can't mess it up because otherwise you got to redo that whole long take again. So there's so much from that perspective that I think this movie had to get right. And I think it really succeeds in that in spades. And while it's not the most original movie in the world, as far as like a story goes, I feel that it's a unique story because of the way, technically speaking, that it was made. But I also think that it will strike a chord with people that maybe had ancestors or people that had fought in, in World War One or even World War II. Uh, because it really is just a different time of life. And, and 1917 is like a time capsule of a movie, I feel like. So, I don't know. If, if any of that sounds appealing to you, maybe go and give this movie a watch. Uh, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I guess this is almost more of a recommendation episode. I'm not even trying to like really unpack a ton of thoughts. I just I think this is a good movie. There's some things I wanted to talk about with it, and I thought it would be worth sharing on on this episode of Screen Speak. So so there you go. All right, I'm I'm gonna actually wrap this episode up a little bit early, but just wanted to uh, wish everybody a happy post Thanksgiving, I suppose. And just to let you know, we got more I got more content coming. Uh, the year is starting to wind down, so I'm trying to get a couple more guests onto the podcast before the year is out. There will be some recurring guests that I have coming back for a couple episodes here and there. Uh, but I promise you, I do also have some new guests that have not been on the podcast before that will be coming back. So look out for that. Uh, really appreciate everybody that is giving this a listen today. And don't go crazy over that Black Friday shopping. I'll, I'll end the podcast on that. Don't. You can order stuff online. You don't have to, you know, run over somebody in the aisle of Walmart just to get 20% off something. You don't need to. Even if it's 50% off, it is not worth going insane over.